In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who tells us to listen to Him over and over and over again. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the sermon series that we're doing right now is called The Character in Our Calling. And really, the sermon series in, in, in its big picture is uh, all about looking at the character of God. And sort of by extension then, we're supposed to kind of see a character in which we can step into as his church, as his body, as his people, as his redeemed ones. Because what we believe is that when we're given the Holy Spirit of Jesus, that we actually begin to emulate the character of Jesus. We begin to emulate the character of God. And so what we've been doing like every Sunday for the past little while is we've been looking at these different character traits of who God is. And today we're going to continue to do that. But the character trait might not be the first thing that you think that it is. Because all of the readings that we have today, immediately on kind of the surface level, we go, well, the character trait that is there for me to be conflicted by is, is this character trait of God's care for the poor. That God really cares about poor people. So we have Amos talking to the people of Israel about how they're not treating the poor in the ways that they're supposed to. Instead, they're exploiting them. And in Paul's letter to Timothy, he's writing to him about how the people who are rich in Timothy's congregation should be taking care of the poor and being generous with them. And in the gospel lesson, we have this story about a rich person and a poor person. And the poor person is taken up to Abraham's side and the rich person goes into hell where he's left to cry out to Abraham for even just a little drop of water. And so we go, okay, well, what I'm supposed to walk away with is that God has this character trait of being concerned for the poor. And sure enough, God does. That is correct. And sure enough, that's good law for us. That's really good law for most of us. It's really good law for me. That we should care about the poor. That we should not be like the rich man. That we should not be like the rich man who is feasting sumptuously and letting poor Lazarus just sit at the the gate with the dogs. It's really good law. And it's really something that is a character trait of God. But there's something deeper And there's something that that even seems to push into that character trait of God's concern for the poor. And it's maybe even so much deeper that it gets us to that point where we begin to understand God's concern for the poor. That there's maybe something more to God's concern for the poor than just simply concern for the poor. And that is that God is clear. God is transparent in terms of what he wants from us. God doesn't pull punches. God says, this is is what I want. 
And so one of those things that God wants is he wants us to take care of the poor. He wants us to hear that we should take care of the poor. He wants the people of Israel to hear that. He wants this rich man in the parable to hear that. He wants the people in Timothy's congregation to hear that. He wants the people who are listening to the psalm to hear that. He wants it to be clear because that is who God is. God is clear. And so as the people of God, that's something that we're called into. We're called into being clear ourselves. Into being people that, that make things clear for the people around us. Make the will of God clear for the people around us. Not in a hateful way, not in a disgusting way, not in a way that makes us better than them, but just to be clear. And yet so often we try to be so clear with God's law. Because that's easier. We try to be clear and and say, you should take care of the poor. But what's the gospel here? What's the gospel in this story? In in this story of Lazarus and the rich man, is is it that, well, if you take care of the poor and you eventually become poor yourself that then the angels are going to carry your body up into heaven and you're going to be there with Abraham and you're going to be able to look down at other people in hell. Is that kind of what the gospel is? Because if that's the gospel, then there's a very narrow slice of us who might make it up to Abraham's side. And the rest of us, well, we all know to pack a water bottle. But maybe there's something deeper. Maybe if God's character trait here is that he's clear, then maybe what we're called to do is to listen to his clarity. And I've got a great story that kind of gives us a picture of that. There's this Lutheran pastor guy. He's actually a Lutheran bishop guy named Jim Nestigan. Uh, Jim is a big guy. He's like 6'5". He sort of looks like Blake. If you put a very large beer belly on Blake. He's a big dude. And because he's so big, he hates to fly. Because, well, I don't like sitting in those seats, and I'm not a big guy. And so you can imagine Jim trying to work himself into one of those economy seats and get the seatbelt around him and just to wait as he's flying across the country for a very long flight. And of course, the one thing that Jim is praying for after he gets himself into that seat is that nobody will sit next to him, or if somebody does sit next to him, it's a 12-year-old. And so as he's watching the people board onto the plane, he starts seeing 
a guy who looks like him. A big guy who's 6'5", who has a big beer gut, who he's like, and he's praying his hardest. He's even like slipping into praying in tongues. <laughs> Saying, Lord, just don't let that guy be the guy who's sitting next to me. But of course, because I brought him up in the story, you know what happens. <laughs> he sits next to him. And they're sitting there awkwardly and, and uh, right against one another, basically kind of sitting in one another's laps, their entire sides completely up next to one another, sort of a sideways spooning. <laughs> and so in order to cut through some of the awkwardness, the guy asks Jim... What do you do? And if you know Jim, Jim always responds to that question with a strength that, only, that I only wish that I could respond in when people ask me that question. Jim responded, I am a preacher of the gospel. <laughs> Which sends this guy kind of into defense mode. And he goes, I'm not a believer. And Jim says, well, that's okay. And so things kind of calm down a little bit, and they begin to get into that small talk, and the plane takes off, and they, the guy starts talking to him about his life and starts telling him about uh, the fact that he had been an infantryman in Vietnam. And he started talking to Jim about all of the horrible things that he saw there and all of the horrible things that he did there. And, and pretty much for this entire flight across the country, this guy is telling Jim about all of this stuff. And they're, they're getting to almost to the point where, where they're going to start their descent to land. And Jim recognizes that, that the, the plane ride is almost over. And so Jim kind of breaks into his story and he says, is, is that everything? Is that all of the sins that you have to confess to me? And the man says, confess? I, I, I didn't confess a thing. And Jim said, you've been confessing to me throughout this entire flight. And I am required by my Lord Jesus Christ to speak a certain word to those who confess their sins to me. So if you've got anything else to confess, throw it on in there. And the man gets reflective for a little while and he says, no, that's it. But I'm, I'm not a believer. And at this point, the plane is coming down out of the sky, the the landing gears are coming out. The people who are in charge of the flight are telling everybody to buckle up. And at this point, Jim Nestigan, this huge hulking man, undoes his seatbelt and stands up into the aisle next to this man. And the stewardess says, sir, you can't do that. And the guy says, I am a preacher of the gospel and Christ compels me to do this, I will do this. And she kind of backs off. 
And he puts out his hand and puts it on this guy's head. And the guy says, I'm not a believer. I don't have any faith in me. And Jim says, everything that is inside you is the reason for the brokenness in this world. This has nothing to do with what's inside you. I am speaking faith into you. And he puts his hand on the guy's head. And he says, as a called and ordained servant of the word, I hereby announce to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the man says, you can't do that. And Jim says, I can I just did, and I will do it again. And he speaks the absolution over him again. And the man begins to cry like a baby. Jim takes his seat again. And as much as he can, getting his big arms around this big guy, holds him like a baby. As this man cries and cries until he begins to laugh and laugh. And nobody on the plane is talking. And they land the plane. And as they're getting their luggage out of the overhead bins, Jim grabs the man's hand. And he shoves his card into his hand and says, you're going to doubt your forgiveness tomorrow or the next day or the next week. And when that happens, I want you to call me and I will bear witness to you about the forgiveness of your sins all over again. And the next morning, the man called Jim and called Jim every day of his life until the very day that he died. And Jim spoke those words of God's clarity to him over and over again. It is on us to hear the clarity of God. In the law, yes. Hear that God has called you to love your neighbor. No matter if they are rich or poor, indigent or wealthy. God has called you to love him But that isn't the only place where God is clear. God is clear in the gospel. May you always 
be able to hear him in absolute clarity. Even if he has to send a 6'5 guy with a beer gut to make it clear to you, may you always hear his gospel in absolute clarity. You are forgiven. You are loved. Hear it clearly. Amen.